Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 58. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who are running a business while traveling full-time. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Kaylee from The Freedom Theory on YouTube. Kaylee and her husband, Josh, have been RVing now for over two years in their fifth wheel. They just bought another one. It's sweet. They're actually parked a couple RVs down from us right now. We're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we're hanging out at this KOA here in town. We were supposed to be in Charleston, but we procrastinated booking our site, so we ended up in Myrtle Beach. It's all similar coast, and it's a cool town, too, so we're not complaining. Kaylee and uh, her husband, Josh, they have posted hundreds of travel vlogs on YouTube and gained over 2 million views during the past couple years. And really what we're going to talk about today is the nuts and bolts of how to get started on YouTube. We talk about everything from how to use how-to videos to increase your viewership, monetization, best practices for ads, sponsorships, how to create content strategies, how many times you should be posting videos on a week-to-week basis, topics, keywords, and how to create film-worthy moments in your life. Kaylee's been on YouTube for a long time and really crushing it. She thinks about this stuff on an everyday basis, so I know you guys are going to get a ton of value from this episode. Before diving into today's show, I want to thank today's sponsor, WeBoost, and the new 4GX RV cell phone booster. This cell phone booster is something I wish we would have picked up the day we bought our RV because I can't tell you how many times over the past three years we were in beautiful places right outside of national parks or state parks or up in the Tetons, one of our favorites. But we had to leave early because there was only one to two bars of Verizon and we couldn't get any work done or it wasn't fast enough to record a podcast over Skype. The 4GX RV cell phone booster can take that signal, multiply it up to 32x and then rebroadcast it throughout the RV to give us a significant boost in internet speed. This means more time in beautiful places and faster internet wherever we go. WeBoost's new cell phone booster is made specifically for RVs, and because I asked them really nicely, they're hooking you guys up with some discount codes. After the last episode, I think we had five or six people reach out and claim those discount codes. We still have a few left if you're interested in getting a 10% discount on the cell phone booster, which is a pretty significant amount. So if you want to claim that discount, just shoot me an email, heath at campgroundbooking.com, and I'll hook you up with a unique coupon code for your Wi-Fi booster. Go to WeBoost.com to learn more about their cell boosters. I also want to thank our other sponsor today, which is Copilot RV, a navigation app that provides route planning and voice guidance designed specifically for RVers. With the Copilot RV app, you just type in the dimensions and weight of your RV before taking off, and Copilot RV app will automatically calculate the best route for you to avoid narrow and height-restricted roads. This is the best way to avoid a situation like we've been in before with our RV where we're driving into New York City and people are frantically waving us off the road because we're about to go under a tunnel that has a 7-foot clearance. Luckily, a nice northeasterner guided us back to the safer route. The other solution is to not go to New York in your RV. I don't really suggest that. But if you do, the Copilot app will not only customize your routes to avoid sketchy back roads and low bridges, but it also comes with a fully offline navigation function. This way, you don't have to use your data while also using your maps, and it works in all kinds of remote locations. To learn more, go to copilotgps.com. All right, let's get into today's show with Kaylee from The Freedom Theory. Kaylee, thanks for being on the show with me. Thanks so much for having me. I was, I was sitting there watching some of y'all's YouTube videos before jumping on, and you guys have had a crazy last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's been more crazy than we would like it to be, but that's all a part of the adventure. Like your your truck being towed, and then the guy is lowering your truck off of the ramp, and the cable snaps and no one's in your truck and you basically have a high-speed moving truck rolling backwards in this dealer parking lot and the guy has to run and dive into the truck to slam on the brakes before it's like that's a that's not a typical day no no that's not a typical day and and the backstory of that is we had been driving all night so i was just running on fumes at that point that's when the clip happened when the truck was rolling i had no reaction because I was just like, how, 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 how is this <laughs> happening right now to us? But uh, yeah, that's got to be one of the craziest things that's happened to us on the road. And lesson learned, we have to tell our um, roadside assistants that we need at least a medium duty tow truck because that tow truck was way too small and we didn't know. Oh, gotcha. I didn't even, yeah, luckily we hadn't really had a deal with tow trucks yet. And so I I wouldn't even thought about that, but it makes sense if you're towing yeah. a big fifth, fifth wheel, you guys have, is a dually, right? 
Yeah, it's a dually. It's a 3500 dually and it's heavy, like super heavy. It weighed more than that tow truck. So, I mean, I don't know how we even got to the dealership, but we made it, but we lost it. They lost a cable in the process. It's kind of like Alyssa trying to give me a piggyback ride. It may work for a minute, but eventually she's probably going to fall down and it's not going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> Uh, so, Kaylee, I want to dig into some of the nuts and bolts today of starting a YouTube channel, vlogging, telling stories on the road, camera gear, and all that, all of that good stuff. But first, I want to talk about uh, what made you guys want to hit the road in the very first place, and what were you guys doing before you all started traveling? Sure. So, yeah, to kind of sum up our story, um, 2014, Josh and I both had a lot of health issues come up. And it was probably the worst year of our lives thus far. I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in 2014. So my health like slowly declined. I have Hashimoto's, which basically means my thyroid doesn't function anymore. And if you know anything about your thyroid, that controls like over 300 and some things in your body. It might even be more. And so I was slowly declining in health. And at the time I was working for a nonprofit working with homeless youth. And it was a very stressful job. And we were always not sure whether we were going to be funded the next month. So I was under a lot of pressure to like do more with less money. And it was a really intensive program. It was called Wraparound. And we would work with these youth for about a year. So I had to eventually quit that job. We found out what was going on. And I had to quit because the job was just too much stress. And at the same time, Josh was having heart tachycardia. His dad um, that spring had had double bypass surgery which was super unexpected. So we were super worried that there was something going on with his heart. Well, lo and behold, after a lot of tests and a lot of, lot of doctor's visits, we found out that he actually had severe sleep apnea and that was causing heart tachycardia, which is like super new research and also lower oxygen levels. So we would have days out in our apartment where we're like, who's going to do the dishes and who's going to take out the dog? We were just so beaten down by this and going to doctor's appointments and just trying to maintain life. So January 1st of 2015 came around and that's when we reevaluate our goals. We go through everything we want to accomplish that year. We talk about like five-year plan. What do we want to do? What do we want to accomplish? Well, I had just feel, felt like we lost a whole year of our lives. 2014 was just completely ripped away from us. And we needed to make up for lost time. We were both starting to feel better. Start, our health was starting to be on the up and up. And I told Josh... We were at Orcas Island. That's where we go. We always rent a little cottage for like three days out on Orcas Island. It's really quiet. And we write down everything we want to do. It's well, a great tradition, really, by the way. I love it, that. It's, it's really, really important. I think everybody should have something like that. And it's like a little vacation after the holidays. You know, you have to recoup after being with family and friends. So that's what we do every year. So I went ahead and wrote down my goals, which were like super ambitious. It was like, go to New Orleans to be with Josh's family for Thanksgiving. I want to buy a house. I want to go to Disney World. I want to go to Las Vegas with my girlfriends. And it all kind of revolved around travel and, you know, having that American dream, right? I wanted the house. I wanted, you know, all that stuff. And Josh sits me down and he goes, babe, we're adults now. We can't have everything we want. And I'm like, I'm, I just crossed my arms and I'm like, watch me. Like I'm going <laughs> to have everything I want. And so he started mulling over this idea for about an hour. We went out to breakfast and then we came back to the cottage and he said, what do you think about buying an RV and living and traveling in it? And to his very much surprise, I just said, I'm down. And for the next two days in that cottage, we were on YouTube. We were on blogs. We were like, how do we make this lifestyle work? Josh had actually traveled in an RV with his parents. And so he knew what it was like. His dad's an anesthetist. They're actually parked right next to us. They take, he's been taking hospital contracts. And, um, so he knew what the lifestyle was like and he knew it was possible. And we went so, so fast. We, sold everything at a condo we had just moved into, sold all the stuff that we had just bought for this condo. And in 15 days, we went and bought the trailer. And then the very next day we found our truck. And then 30 days later, we were sleeping on my mom's floor and then renovating our new 
RV. So it was super, super vast. And we don't advise anybody to do what we did. But for us, it was like we had to do this. There was no other way for us to go about it. We were just ready for a change. Had you guys always made uh, decisions that you know, spontaneously? Or was it just something that made so much sense? Because there's been little points in Alyssa's in my life where, for example, uh, we're in Florence, Alabama right now, northern Alabama, just south of Tennessee. And this is where we spent last winter editing our documentary. And uh, Mm -hmm. we met this guy from uh, out in Portland at WDS. He was like a friend of a friend. And he was a really great editor. And we wanted to hire him to help him uh, help him finish help help us finish our documentary. And uh, he was like, I'm graduating from college, but you know, why don't you guys just come out here? And we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, yeah, we'll go spend two months in Florence and we got to do this anyway. So it's just like, that's kind of a big deal to just spontaneously say, yeah, I'll drive halfway across the country and go live in this random town for two months. But I don't know, sometimes you just come across things that just make sense. And so was this the RV like for you guys? It's just like, yeah, this, we want to travel. We want to go and have a bigger adventure after being, you know, sitting still for a year. Yeah, that's exactly it. We had never, we are very meticulous and we're, our decisions have always been super well thought out. So this was one where it's like that it's it, it just fits. We were always taking weekend getaways in Washington, always trying to look for a reason to travel. We liked tent camping. So it just made sense. And there was just no reason to hold ourselves back. We had done a lot of reading that said, you know, if you wait long enough, you're going to talk yourself Mm. out of this, you need to just do it. And that's what we did. We just jumped into it. We had no idea what we were doing. And, you know, it all worked out. We made mistakes, but that's how you learn, you know, and we always told ourselves, if it doesn't work out, our old life is still there. We can still go get an apartment. They're still there. We can still go get, you know, desk jobs, (laughs) you know, that those are always going to be there. But to be, you know, as young as we are in travel, you don't get this time back. Absolutely. How old are you guys? I am 27 and Josh is about to turn 37. Awesome. Yeah, I knew you guys. I thought, you know, we were around the same age. So that makes sense. We mm-hmm. we went through pretty much the same thought process because mm-hmm. like 27, 37 is still really, really young for people to be traveling full time in an RV. And so it's like, right. okay, worst case scenario, we don't like it. We go experience a really cool year of travel and then we can go back and do our own thing. So as you guys were researching this, y'all were on YouTube a lot. So is that part of the reason what made you decide to start uh, vlogging this? Or was that the plan from the start? Um, or what was, cause you had just transitioned out of this nonprofit. So were you just thinking, I'm going to take a break from work and this will be my project or what was kind of the train of thought when you went and why you started a YouTube channel? Sure. So I had actually been doing YouTube a year prior to starting the vlog channel. So when I was going through all that health stuff, I actually started a makeup channel and it's still up on YouTube. I just don't post there anymore. Um, So it's still up there. People still watch the videos and stuff like that. But I was doing hair tutorials, makeup tutorials, because when I was getting sick, I was super active. Like I was a runner. I'd go to the gym all the time, but my body was failing me and I couldn't go to the gym anymore. I was having a hard time like getting out of bed. It was awful. And so I had been watching a lot of YouTube and a lot of these like makeup, quote unquote, makeup gurus. And I was like, this looks like fun. Like I really like makeup. I would love to help people, you know, be able to find ways to like make themselves pretty. And I I was getting a lot of questions like, how do I do makeup? So I was like, well, I can make a video of it. So for my birthday, Josh bought me a really inexpensive camera and I set up like a little place to film. So that was my start into YouTube was this makeup channel. It was something I could do, a hobby I could do. And I just fell in love with it. And I got used to editing. I started with Windows Movie Maker and then slowly worked my way up through um, different programs and kind of learned how to do it by myself and learned about cameras and stuff like that. But I just, I loved it. And then I was started watching travel vloggers. Fun for Louie was really my inspiration. If you haven't seen him, he's like the godfather of travel vlogs. And I was super inspired by him and I loved his style. So that was a really big part of pushing me into like, I should really document this journey and show people what their options are for living in an RV. Well, I mean, after you get started and you're starting to push out videos, you decide that you, was it just the craft of making videos that you liked? Was it the interaction with people on YouTube when somebody said, I got to learn something from you? What was about, what was it about 
creating videos on YouTube that you really fell in love with? Because it's like no matter what medium you choose, whether you focus all your time on Instagram or you know, a podcast like this or blogging or whatever, it just takes an exorbitant amount of time that mm-hmm. it's like you really do have to love it or just be a ridiculously hard worker to stick with it. So what was it about uh, vlogging that you really, really loved? I love the creative part. I loved editing. Now I still love editing, but editing now is like so different. It's gotten to such a different level now than what it was in the beginning. But I love the editing, but I love the community. Like that was the biggest thing. I I made friends with people literally all over the world in this like beauty community and could text these people and like talk to them online and see how they were doing. So the community was just so much fun. And that's what really keeps me going is knowing that I help give value to people. And then when I started doing um, the Freedom Theory channel, I've got all these comments from like people who were also renovating their RV because that's really that was what it started with was showing renovations. And a lot of people found me that way. And they're like, wow, like I thought I would need to hire somebody to do this. But thanks for showing me how like thanks for giving me the confidence to show or thanks for giving me the confidence for being able to do this stuff, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that was that was a really big part of it. Yeah. So, the, I mean, there's a lot of people who have the desire to start a blog, start a YouTube channel whenever they start traveling, whether it's in an RV or not in an RV, or just maybe to document their life, you know, from a day-to-day perspective, because, uh, you know, you can look back and see growth, you, you know, not just from a skills perspective, but you're just like, oh, what was I saying there? What was I thinking in my thought process and things right. like that? Um, so what, what are some of the, what are some of the helpful things to know before diving into the YouTube world? If somebody wants to get started vlogging, what would be some of the helpful advice that you would give them? Sure. So whenever somebody says I'm interested in starting a channel, um, they're like, what gear do I need? What, like all this stuff. And I'm like, just start with your cell phone and start talking to the camera, make a couple of videos about your day, just like video diary style take your camera out, you know, it's way less awkward to film in a like with a camera out in public or with a cell phone out in public than it is with a camera. I get a lot of strange looks <laughs> when I bring out my camera, but That's so funny. It's just a side note. The first year, our first year on the road, we were filming with this Panasonic like traditional looking like camcorder with a little mini boom mic on top and people were uh so, you know, like they were like, oh my gosh, you you know you're filming me, and you know it's all invasive. It, you know they were just kind of freaked out about it. And then we right. switched over to a, a 70 DSLR, and uh, everyone's like, is that just a camera? Like I don't even care. Even though it's a pretty big compared to now our GX7, um, people just like the smaller the camera, it's like you can film whatever. Uh, it's right. a lot more incognito. Anyway, keep going. Totally, totally. But the, like the first videos I made never hit the internet, and so. I wanted to just practice getting comfortable talking to a camera because you're talking to people and I tell people to talk like you're talking to your best friend or talk like you're telling your mom about what's going on that day. And that is going to be so much easier because as soon as you think about how many people this could possibly reach, like I would shut down if I knew that there was (laughs) 4,000 people watching me that very second. But just thinking that these are friends, they're people and they want to know what's going on. Like they care about you. They care about what's happening in your life. So talk to them as if they're your best friend. And it, it's so funny um, because on that note of people watching and not thinking about that, I get nervous a lot of times just recording video for, for vlogs. Like I overthink. We're just starting to get into it. Alyssa's really running with it. I'm kind of um, playing assistant to her because I'm focusing on our software business at this point. But, yeah. you know, I, I still kind of get tripped up and I'm like, we've done CNN, we've done Fox and Friends Morning Show. And I know there's probably millions of people who watch those videos, but because they're really not on the internet that much, it just doesn't feel like it's that many people because it's just like a camera. I don't know. For some reason, YouTube feels more real when people can comment like, hate on me. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know what it is like <laughs> mental barrier wise, but it's helpful right. to. It's helpful to know that, you know, when you first started your first couple of videos, uh, you didn't even put them out there. Was it because they weren't you, you didn't think they were good enough or what? Yeah, they weren't good enough. <laughs> One. And I was just getting comfortable with the camera. Like 
I needed to just feel it out. Did I really like this was the other thing I needed to ask myself, like, is this really something I enjoy? And then once I got that practice in and I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I am like creating a full story every day. It got easier. And I started to pick up my own style. And the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it, right? It's like anything, you know, the videos I make now, are so vastly different than the videos I first made. You can go look back on my YouTube channel. They're all still there. They're cringeworthy. Like they're not my best work, but they're up there. It was a start and everybody has a start. The biggest YouTubers started, you know, filming with a webcam in their bedroom. You know, it just, it's, it doesn't matter the equipment. Everybody has a start. So the biggest thing is to just start. Don't put a bunch of barriers on yourself to get started. You probably have all the equipment you need already, which is a cell phone and your cell phone. Yeah. So is there a minimum amount of videos that you would say somebody should commit to before deciding whether or not they want to keep vlogging? That's a good question. I would give yourself maybe like five videos to decide because five videos is a lot of work and maybe like give a little challenge to like do it five days in a row and see how you like it and also figure out what you're comfortable with because I used to vlog daily and I stopped that very quickly because (laughs) vlogging daily is just it's hard. (laughs) It's so, so hard. It's so draining. And you see so many major YouTubers just drop out because it's too much work. It's really too much work. So we've really reined it down to three videos a week. And even right now I say three videos a week, but I've really been doing like two a week. Yeah, you really have, you just have to find your own balance, but give yourself like five videos and see if you like it. Cause it may not be the thing. Maybe, you know, podcasting or blogging is going to be the thing you really enjoy. Yeah. So five videos to see whether you like it or not. And Mm -hmm. I'm assuming like depending on your skill level and a lot of other factors on your, you know, the way you're filming, how many videos did it actually take you before people started actually watching it and following along to a decent level? say like, I don't know, three, 4,000, 5,000 views per video, which is a pretty good, that's a lot of people watching each one. Yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's easy to look at, you know, the Casey Neistat's of the world and see, oh, well, it's not 2 million <laughs> views per video. Well, that's Casey Neistat. You know, he's probably on the equivalent of Ashton Kutcher famous at this point in the internet world. And, uh, but how long, you know, is it, did it take you to build up that amount of viewership over time? So for us to get to where we are now, it took two years. Um, Our channel really spiked when we went to Alaska. That was a really big thing. I told Josh my goal that summer was to double our subscribers. And when we got to Alaska, I think we had 4,000 subscribers and we left Alaska with 10,000 subscribers. So that was huge (laughs) in itself. But to kind of get the viewership rolling, it YouTube grows exponentially. And what I've learned from my channel and what we're doing now, like the way we're steering the channel for like this summer is giving more value because people don't necessarily watch vlogs just for entertainment. They're going to find you because you have like a how-to video. So like some of our top ranking videos are how to research by and uh, find an RV. So that's like a really big video that we have. Or we have another video that's questions to ask before you go full time. Those are what we call evergreen content. It's going to be there forever and people are going to find it. So once we started making more evergreen content, people started coming coming in. And we initially started the channel because we wanted to give that evergreen content. So initially it, it started right away and then just kind of grows exponentially. You can check out, um, there's a website called socialblade.com and you can see the growth of like our channel or any YouTuber's channel and get an idea of how it grows. But, and also with RV channels, particularly the boost happens during summer because everybody's taking their RV out of storage. They're looking for tips and tricks, all the things they need to fix from last summer. So you see a really big boost every summer too, as a RV channel. Yeah, and on that note that you said a minute ago about finding you through the evergreen contents, I've noticed that with blogging as well. It's kind of the same format. People find us through a few maybe like 
we have 10 posts that rank really well and then three that just do really, really well that rank, you know, number one or two. And a lot of people find us through those posts and we find they, they find you through the evergreen content, but they stick around because they like you maybe as a person or enjoy following your story. And I'm assuming it's the same, if not more prevalent on YouTube, because they find you through some of these uh, RV renovation videos and then they stick around because they like Kaylee and Josh and they want to get to know your story because nobody's going to search truck fell off my or you know fell off the the tow truck or whatever you know what i mean like no one's going to search that they're going to search the more common phrases and stick around because they like you guys absolutely yep hit the nail on the head that's just it yeah how many times would you say it's helpful actually before diving into that question i want to ask how important is it to know your specific why and direction in your in your youtube channel when getting started is that something that you kind of hone over time and is that something you think about when creating each video? Like, I'm trying to not just show the RV lifestyle, but I'm trying to do it because why? You know, like, how important is it to know your why when doing a YouTube channel? It's super important because if you don't know why you're doing videos, nobody else is going to know why you're doing videos and nobody's going to care. That So you have to nail down your why. And our initial reason why was because I was, th- there was a couple of reasons, but one of them was I didn't see, first of all, a lot of women talking about the RV lifestyle. A lot of the really big RV travel channels were guys. And I was like, why aren't there a lot of like women voices like talking about what's going on and what it's like? Because I had a lot of concerns that are very different from a guy choosing to do this lifestyle. Like, how do you cook in a small kitchen? How How is that possible? Like, what do you use to clean? How What kind of paint do I need to use on this RV? So there were all these kind of questions I just wasn't seeing answered by some of the bigger channels. But the second one was I just wanted to inspire people and teach people. Um, so knowing your why is super important. And everybody's why is going to be different, you know? So um, don't think just because you're making videos and everybody else is doing it that you won't stand out. Your story is unique to you and that's what's going to make you different yeah i love that uh jumping around a little bit in no particular order let's talk about monetization on youtube because this is a question a lot of people have if you're doing a youtube channel you're spending all this time in there obviously there's the benefit of you know becoming a better editor becoming a better you know filmmaker on a day-to-day basis and sharing your story with other people to inspire them but how has the monetization come in in your channel? And I know you're still relatively early, two years in, but you've you've worked with some brands, you've done some stuff. So can you talk a little bit about just the, the most direct routes to monetizing your YouTube channel and how you've done that? Sure. So it, I didn't make any money for the first year of my channel, and I actually didn't turn on ads for the first six six or eight months of my channel. Um, I didn't want people to think we were just getting in the, to this for money. Like it was truly about inspiring and helping other people out. But I hit a point where I'm like, I have to figure out a way to make this work because I want to help people. But it's also, as you know, with podcasting and making videos, it is a full-time job. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And so I, it, yeah, it took me about a year to get even to get the first paycheck from YouTube. My first hundred dollars didn't come for a year, <laughs> which is so insane looking back on that. And I love what I'm doing. But when it came to monetizing further, you don't make much from ads. Um, you make fractions of a penny per click or per ad watched. And I mean, right now there's like a big boycott on YouTube of ads and I don't want that to scare anybody because I think that is going to turn around like YouTube's really smart. They're going to make it all work out. Um, Is that something that YouTube changed algorithms and so a lot of people took their ads off? uh, Well, a little backstory on that is a bunch of really big name brands had their ads running against content that they didn't like things on YouTube that just were, you know, crude or things that they just didn't want their brand associated with. So they basically said, look, YouTube, if you're not going to fix this, we're bowing out. And so they pulled out and now they are, um, YouTube's figuring out how to better serve their, the brands that are wanting to work with them. So what YouTube's kind of doing to combat that with the different brands is they are limiting you. You can't turn on ads until you have 10,000 views now on YouTube. And what they're doing is they're screening for channels that are like spam channels or ones that are 
re-uploading content for views and for money. So it's actually, I think, going to help a lot of people out and it's going to help creators out because it's going to keep people from spamming YouTube. So overall, I think it's a good thing for YouTube to be doing this, but it also puts a little more of a barrier for people who are just starting a channel. Gotcha. And how have you went about approaching companies? Because I know you've done some work with uh, the Security of the Lock company and some others to create branded content. So how have you went about that? Sure. So uh, again, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I have a little bit of background in like marketing from high school. I was in DECA. And so I took some of the school, some of the things I had learned in school and applied that to reaching out to some of these brands. I saw just a, a big gap. I saw a lot of people or a lot of brands not necessarily reaching everybody that they could with advertising. And I think social media, as you know, is such a powerful player when you're working with businesses and brands. So we had initially worked with um, RV Lock. They sent us a lock and we did a video for them. Um, And basically I sent a proposal and was like, hey, what would you think about this? This is what we're projected to grow. This is our views projected for the summer. And this is our kind of our value. And at first they said no. And I said, well, here, here's the proposal. Could you just take a look at it? And two days later, we were on the phone with the CEO of the company (laughs) hashing out details. So it happened really fast. And it was just taking a gamble, um, reaching out to a company and seeing what they would say. Yeah, I love that. I think there's so many dollars wasted and uh, people who are still a little bit more old school in their thinking. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that so much, I know probably the RV industry is not alone in this, but there's so many people that are throwing money towards Good Sam and these old school print magazines. And I know there's probably still quite a few people reading them in this industry. But I mean, the opportunity to connect uh, through newer media outlets is just something that they have totally not done a great job of. This is just a total side tangent, but I'm sure you felt that a little bit too. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I just think there's so much potential and bloggers and vloggers have so much reach now. And it's so funny because I met a subscriber in person and she was telling me about how she had bought something I had promoted. I wasn't paid by the company. They're like, yeah, but we bought that. And I was like, whoa, like (laughs) that's like, I have way more influence than I thought because I didn't think anybody would buy that. And I loved the product. Don't get me wrong, but hearing that was like, wow, this is super powerful. And people buy from people they trust. And that's the thing is I have a relationship with these people and I feel um, like a gatekeeper and I don't want to let any brand or anybody through unless I trust that brand and trust that product and believe in it. So there's plenty of things Josh and I have said no to. We're not going to do that. You know, I'm a gatekeeper and I don't want to put a brand in front of my audience that I'm not passionate about and that I don't love. So when I do reach out to a company, it's because I like them. I really like their, either their brand or I like their, most importantly, I like their product, (laughs) you know? So that's, that's what matters. And people, again, they buy from who they trust. Totally. So going back to uh, getting started on building a YouTube channel. So give yourself five videos to commit to, see if you like it or not. And then what is the next step? I mean, how do you keep moving forward from there? How do you build a content strategy and how many videos you're posting? Uh, should they all be vlog centric? Could you, Should you be filtering in some videos that are the evergreen style of content? And uh, how do you go about developing that? And what are some of the other elements? And this, I guess, is a two-part question. What are some of the other elements on, uh, you know, things like the images for the uh, the default images for each video and some of the content that goes underneath? And how do you go about developing your, I guess, your content strategy? Sure. So the one content strategy is to just keep filming and keep making videos that have value. So like I think about my next series of videos is going to be, you know, on RV renovations and RV hacks. So I make a list of basically every single idea that I have. And then I will put that in my calendar of like, I'm filming this video, I'm filming that video. Our strategy is to make two travel vlogs a week, and then one piece of evergreen content a week. And so far, (laughs) you know, this is like, 
best practices, you know, <laughs> and right yeah. now you are not always doing that, but that would be my advice is maybe start with one travel blog and one piece of evergreen content, or just start with the evergreen content and let that be your strategy when you're first starting, because that is going to be how people are going to find you. So yeah, key advice would be to do the evergreen content and you can fit your evergreen content into a travel vlog if that's what you're passionate about, you know, surround it, surround your video about that around that one topic. And that also makes it easier when you're storytelling. So then that whole day, whenever you pick up the camera, you're talking about, you know, maybe how to find water damage, or you're talking about how to buy an RV, you can still show what you're doing and what's going on. But let the main focus of that video be really evident as you're filming. Yeah, totally. So And there's a lot of days where we are just sitting in the RV working, cranking away on the computer. I I would say like most days are like that. And it's like, how do you go about doing enough cool stuff? Because I mean, obviously we have travel days, we go to national parks and things like that. But then there's just like periods where like, I need to be heads down, I need to be getting work done. So how have you went about creating moments that are noteworthy enough to throw on camera? Because a lot of times I just feel that you know, what I'm doing right now is nobody cares about. No, it's like, it's not entertaining <laughs> enough to, to show people. So how do you go about creating that and maybe even getting past that fear that, um, you know, your life is worth showing on camera? Totally. We are super similar to you guys. Like we are sitting and working, Josh works a nine to five. And then when he's working, I'm working, I'm working on editing videos and things like that. And that's again, majority of our week. So we're really strategic nowadays, whereas we used to, when we were just getting in the lifestyle, we were filming daily, just showing the ins and outs because we were learning something new every single day. And that was the value we were putting out was what did we learn this day living in an RV? Um, now it's there's a little bit more mundane stuff because the RV isn't breaking like it was, you know, we aren't, you know, the truck isn't falling off tow trucks daily. So what we would do and what we do now is we bring out the camera on the weekends and that makes a really nice balance for us. So I can normally get two travel vlogs out of one day of exploring. And like we would go to on a Saturday to um, the Grand Canyon and I got two videos out of that and would focus on that. So that's how we go about our content now is, you know, get out on the weekend, explore on the weekend. And if something happens during the week that I think is valuable, I'll vlog about it. But we're more strategic now in terms of that. I like that. And and since you gave us that advice a few months back, that's kind of what we've mm-hmm. been doing too, where once or twice a week, we will go do something fun that is vlog worthy, quote unquote, and yeah. we'll, we'll film that. And the, the rest of the week, we'll be heads down working and things like that. And it kind of works because it's it's batching. And I do that with podcasts like today and yesterday, I'm recording five podcasts. Um, and that's quite a bit, but that'll be dripped out over the next month or so. And it'll allow me to kind of build up a backlog of content and still have a lot of time to work versus like doing one every day. It's just like, it's really difficult to do that. Um, some maybe maybe you can give me some advice because we've been kind of playing around, getting some videos out there, and working on this whole content. But a lot of the stuff that I really like care about and consume. Not I, obviously, I love travel, love going to national parks. But to be honest, like I don't I don't sit and watch vlogs. Uh, I watch uh, you know I enjoy Gary Vaynerchuk. I've seen some of Casey Neistat's videos, mostly from a cinematic perspective, but. Honestly, I've never really watched much travel vlogs. It's nothing against it. I love travel, obviously. I live in RV, but I, I'm really passionate about business. I, I love uh, hearing people's conversations about business. I love podcasts. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, where does, and I'm just kind of, you know, speaking what's on my head here, but, you know, what are some ideas that you could kind of throw my way on content that we could be creating? Because I've had some ideas on just videos that are centric around, you know, you know, building your income up and working on your business as you're traveling and things like that. But I've kind of struggled a little bit to figure out what that content is because at some point I'm like, well, is it is it true to who I am to just show us out exploring like the one day a week or am I thinking too much? You know what I mean? Because it's like on the podcast, yeah. I'm talking about how I'm working all the time and then it's like on the vlog, it's like, oh, it's our, all you see is like these really cool experiences from like the one day a week that we're out traveling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Right. No, I get it. I get it. So here would be my advice. I really think you need two YouTube channels. And 
the reason why is people go to certain content and they or certain channels and they expect certain content and travel vlogs is one set of content and then talking about business and you know building businesses is a separate topic and I think you can do both and like what you're saying when you make a video it's like whoa this is the best day ever you know we're going to White Sands National Park this is so much fun um you want to stay true to yourself as well. And so that's why we film, you know, both the good and the bad, but those days are so fun. You want to remember those for yourself and you want to show your family and your friends and, you know, people are going to find you. And I think a separate channel that is geared towards business, you know, little tidbits and things like that short videos, maybe five minutes long, you have an idea that you want to share, put it on a different channel, you know, brand it towards building a business, a mobile business. That's, a great idea. <laughs> I got really excited for you just <laughs> thinking about that because you're you already have the content, right? You've already probably written notes about this. All you have to do is sit down and turn on the camera and give that information and then you can point people towards your podcast. You can point people towards books you've written or towards Hourly America and go from there, but they're two separate ideas, right? And you you still want to have both, but maybe you don't post travel blogs once a week. Maybe you post them twice a month and you write a really nice blog post to go with those. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just another thing to add to like my long to-do list. It's kind of crazy because it's like, I think part of the struggle, uh, you know, you hear someone talking about YouTube, podcasting, blogging, and all the social medias and things like that. And if you're a content creator, which if you're listening to this, you at least have an interest if you aren't a content creator. The struggle, I think, is picking and choosing. And because it's one thing to just push across all these platforms, but it's the other thing because you're actually trying to hone some type of craft, whether you're editing, learning copywriting, learn how to be a better interviewer. So you're not just sharing across all these mediums, but you're also building the skills that make you stick out on these mediums. And it's really difficult. And, you know, like I blogged for four years and then I started a podcast. And then the podcast last year, even though we wanted to do more YouTube stuff and I knew videos where it's at, I was like, man, I've been itching to do a podcast. I love the format. I love listening to them. And I think I can do 50 and, you know, really still be enjoying it. And I think I'm on like 58 right now. And so I have been and I've been loving it. And so for the past year and a half, I've been all about that. And then I started campground booking on top of that. And so it's just like, adding all these things on and we try not to do two big things at once so it's like I love that idea of starting a YouTube channel focus on a mobile lifestyle but it's probably the last thing that I need to do is like revamp more of my time when I'm already spending like night anyway enough about me uh, how important? No, I love hearing about it. I love it. Okay, good. Because uh, I'm sure some people are listening are like, oh, all right, this is supposed to be about how to start a YouTube, not a therapy session for Heath. Um, so how, <laughs> how important are the descriptions and the titles on YouTube? Those are the most important. So your biggest real estate on YouTube is your thumbnail, your title, and your description. So think of like you're putting up a house and you want to have the prettiest, nicest house on YouTube. That needs to be well-crafted. And I'll be honest, best practices, I don't do all of them. I don't have time. Like you said, you want you have all these things you want to do. And sometimes after making a video, it's the last thing. And the last thing for me after making a video is going in and making a thumbnail, which I've had to learn how to use things like GIMP, which is like a free Photoshop. And I'm just learning how to use that, you know, and it's helping me craft my thumbnails better. And titles need to be, you know, fit in with a bunch of SEO. You need to, but you know what I say need, you just need to start (laughs) to be totally honest. But for those of you wanting to get into the nitty gritty, that's really important. And what we've looked at with doing descriptions now is having like a, philosophy of two birds with one stone type of thing. We write our description as if it was a blog post. So then we can post it to our blog and embed our video. So then Google gets two sets of keywords. They get the ones on YouTube and also the ones on the blog, and then it can help cross promote them. So that's a really big thing. That's something we're working on, you know, best practices. We wish we could do that for every single video, but doing less content is allowing us to focus more on that and 
talking about it right now in my head. I'm like, Kaylee, you really just need to like go down to like two videos a week and not three <laughs> because it, it is so much work just talking about it. I start sweating because I'm like, well, there's so much stuff I need to do. Um, but your thumbnails are really important. Uh, and look at content that you already like on YouTube. Like you said, you know, you don't watch travel vlogs. And as a travel vlogger now, I don't watch travel vlogs either because I'm making the content, you know, I'm, I'm out there doing it. I don't need to be inspired really anymore because I'm, I'm living the life that I've wanted to right now. Um, so it really is finding, you know, what, what inspired you to make YouTube and you can take inspiration from that. Start with what inspires you and then find your own style from there and see what works on YouTube. I think there's a fine balance because everyone talks about clickbait on YouTube. And there is a fine balance in that. I don't like feeling cheated when I click on a video and I'm like, that didn't happen. That title did not happen. So be honest when you're making your titles and be honest when you're making descriptions. People try to game the system and YouTube and Google is very smart in figuring out when you are trying to game the system. So be honest when you're writing your description and you're posting links and things like that and making a title. Because because YouTube values watch time, so the longevity of the video. If it is clickbait and somebody clicks on it and it's something totally different or irrelevant, then and they pop off the video, it's just like bounce time on a website. They're uh, it's going to penalize you in YouTube, right? Bingo. <laughs> yep, that's exactly it. Yeah. So as you're as you're doing two to three vlogs a week, how much time do you spend thinking about what you want to say in each video? Uh, versus just real-time recording what's happening right off the cuff? Like, are you trying to have lessons each day? You know, this is what we learned today, or is it mostly this is what's happening right now? Just how much thought goes into each of those interactions? And I'm sure in time it's kind of become easier as you can create formats for each video, but in the beginning, how much thought process did you have for each of those moments? Is it more planning, or is it more just this is what's happening, I'm going to film it? For me, it's mostly off the cuff. And I think storytelling comes a bit naturally to me. I love it so much. Um, but I definitely think more, I think more now about strategy and how to tell a story better. But most of it is off the cuff for me. And when I wake up, like I'm thinking today about the video I'm going to film and it is about, it's going to be about all the things we're doing on our fifth wheel and how we're getting it ready to sell. So the story is really going to be about the process we're taking to sell a fifth wheel. We've never done this before and we're learning as we go. And I have this list on a chalkboard of all these things we need to get done. And I want to bring people through this process. What's it like to sell your RV after you've renovated it? I haven't seen anybody talk about that kind of story. So I'm showing all those little tidbits. So I think now is a little more crafted, whereas as I first started, had no idea what I was doing. And I'm like, I'm going to talk about this and see how it goes. So you can really test the waters when you're first getting started, because when you initially post a video, you're not going to get hundreds of thousands of views. You're going to be talking to a smaller audience and your audience can help. If you ask them can help point you in a direction. They can say, Oh, I really want to know more about this. And then you can make videos about that. And you, you walk a line with that as well. You don't want to have your channel be completely all for your audience because you're going to get steered in a lot of different directions. But you can let them, you know, if they give you ideas or inspiration on something, run with it and make a video about a topic they want to hear about. I love that. Going going deep for a minute and uh, and then we can wrap up. But what does success look like for you in this lifestyle as you're out vlogging, traveling with Josh and, you know, living the fifth wheel life? Yeah, so success for us. Josh is working a nine to five Monday through Friday right now. And success to us would be him able to quit his job and for us to find a way to make this, the vlogging and the blogging work as our full-time income. And we've been doing that with things like, you know, being brand ambassadors and getting sponsorships and things like that. But, you know, at the beginning it was going after, you know, like small fish, like small little contracts and looking ahead, I really want to work with brands that we really love and have that be able to fund our lifestyle. And I thought even more, the, the goal has really changed because I thought YouTube really could be a full-time income, like making money off of AdSense. And the truth is that's, that's just not going to 
happen. Like I said before, it took a year before I made $100 on YouTube. And so the goals have really changed. I think getting into things like professional work that aren't necessarily on YouTube, but working for companies for them to have videos that they can put on their social media, things like that I've really grown to love and enjoy, which I did not think I was going to like. But those kind of things are a part of the goal and a part of the plan for making income on the road with this. And But really, it would be for Joshua to quit and that for us to both focus on this full time is ultimate goal. <laughs> I love that, Kaylee. Where can people learn more about you and uh, connect with you online? So you can find us on YouTube. Just search The Freedom Theory and we should be the first one that pops up and hit the subscribe button. And if you want to be notified, you can hit the little bell. And every time we post a video, it'll pop up on your phone or in your email. That helps us out a ton and it's totally free. So if you sign up to make a YouTube account, you won't get charged or anything like that. Totally free. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Freedom Theory. And you can, I guess, you can put our email back in there too, info at thefreedomtheory.com. But Facebook and Instagram is where we are the most besides YouTube. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I'm excited because I think we may get to hang out in Charleston and maybe even do some caravanning this next couple months up the uh, East Coast. It sounds like we'll be taking a similar route. So that'll be cool. That will be great. We cannot wait to finally meet <laughs> you guys in person. Awesome. Talk soon, Kaylee. Thanks so much. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to our website at heathandalyssa.com and go to podcast. Thanks again to WeBoost and the Copilot RV app for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Also, I want to share something that I'm genuinely excited about with you guys. This next month, we're going to be launching something called mini episodes on the RV Entrepreneur. This means instead of four monthly episodes, only consisting of long form interviews like I've done for the past year, they're going to be eight episodes. The long-form interviews that I've published up until now will still air on every Tuesday, but on Friday mornings we'll have another episode go live that will be around 10 minutes or so in length. Instead of sitting down with an RV entrepreneur to dive into their story and pull actionable advice and lessons from their lifestyle and their business, I'll be taking some of the most frequently asked questions I've gotten about the RV lifestyle or building a remote business and cover these in each of these weekly episodes or share something that I'm learning in the process of bootstrapping campground booking uh, from the road and I feel could be valuable to you guys. I've been toying with this format a little bit by occasionally doing longer form intros in the beginning of the podcast, which you may have noticed from time to time. And I've gotten really good feedback from people who've reached out and said they've really enjoyed these just honest intros and sharing what's happening or what I'm learning in the process of getting this company started or just common questions people have been asking. And so I'm going to be breaking these out and putting them into their own episodes for you guys. And plus, now you can look forward to two episodes coming out each week and not just one. So it's awesome. Hooray. <laughs> Again, these will come out every Friday morning starting after you hear this one. So if you're listening to this episode on the Tuesday that it came out, you'll hear another one on Friday. I'll see you guys next week. Actually, I'll see you on Friday. I'm going to have to change my outro now. Anyway, I'll see you next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>